a British writer reveals his views on the drawbacks of mass communication. The lazy half-wit at last comes into his own. By J.B. Priestley. The following are excerpts from the article in last week's issue of the New Statesman and Nation London Weekly. To succeed in mass communications, you must flatter the customer and never disturb him. And that, of course, is what is happening on a gigantic scale in America and on an increasing scale here and elsewhere. So we spend billions on education only to have the good work, if it is good work, rapidly undone by the mass communication experts waiting to pounce on the boys and girls as they come out of school. Thousands and thousands of extremely clever men and women are now engaged not, uh, to use the old forgotten phrase, in the task of elevating the masses, but in the business of catering to all their whims, prejudices and idiocies. All day and half the night there are conferences in newspaper and magazine offices, film, radio and TV studios deciding how everything can be shaped, coloured, cut down and trimmed to flatter and tickle the mob of customers. If they like this, it is in. If they don't like that, it is out. Everything must be made smooth and easy. No effort must be required. History must be falsified, science distorted, religion sentimentalized, human relations hopelessly oversimplified so that nobody is challenged, disturbed, asked to reflect or feel deeply. It is a kind of nursing home view of entertainment. The bedside manner, formerly used only for rich, foolish old women, is now laid on for millions. And as we approach the payoff, the patron is asked to do less and less. He need not leave his fireside, stir from his chair. His children, lured away from books, need no longer create visual images, for these will be supplied with the TV set. Even his parlour games will be played for him, so that he need no longer trouble to know his neighbours. Even TV politics are just around the corner, and indeed, when I was in America a year ago, they seem to have already arrived. The lazy half-wit. Once a despised character, except on fairgrounds and at election times, has at last come into his own. Younger readers must accept my assurance that all this is new. Fifty years ago there was little of this mass catering. Even a popular newspaper was rather better than its average reader who was expected to make some effort. Even the music hall offered flashes of genuine art and genius to please a Max Beerbohm. There was no elaborately organised and publicised mass culture. Ordinary people were supposed to tag along somewhere on the fringes of real culture. The representatives of that culture may not have been widely appreciated, but they existed as public figures, vaguely revered, if not thoroughly understood and had not then been driven out of sight and mind by the blown-up personalities of mass communication. Young people could easily pass from popular nonsense to an enjoyment of fine work, for there it was, waiting for them, 
and they were not deliberately herded away from it, kept by sinister magic in a closed circle of false mass culture, which is what is happening now. Unluckily, too, this circle was more or less completed at a time when large numbers of people suddenly found themselves with more money to spend and more leisure. This partly explains the failure of the promise of the war years, when many of us were far too optimistic. We did not realise then how easily mass culture, with its immense resources of publicity, could defeat us. We were like a man with a woodcut, trying to compete with a four-colour poster 30 feet by 10. Enemy of the Arts Though I must have spent as much time with books, music, pictures as any man my age, I am sometimes represented to be an enemy of the arts, chiefly, I imagine, because I have occasionally laughed at pretentious aesthetes. But it is another of my grievances against mass culture that its existence shapes and encourages anti-mass culture, which seems to me thin, sterile and often false. If mass communications belong too exclusively to the marketplace, the culture that deliberately reacts against it is often too far away from the marketplace. Too many people who rebel against mass culture imagine now that genuine art must be identified with extreme introversion. It is taken for granted that the extroverted attitude belongs to entertainers or charlatans. Much of our recent criticism seems to have been written by disappointed men about invalids. The arts are so precious, fancy and fenced off, that ordinary sensible men and women begin to despair of enjoying them, giving them up as a bad job. And all this self-conscious attitudinizing, all these elaborate antics are not part of a direct response to life itself, but have been produced by the deliberate reaction against mass standards. They are, in fact, a byproduct of mass communications. Parasites. A final fact, sadly unnoticed, about mass communications is that they are parasitic upon the very things they are trying to kill. They borrow and ruin talent, hardly ever created. Thus, it is the theatre that trains playwrights, directors, actors, and not TV, which merely seduces the theatre's patrons. It is the old-fashioned publisher or editor who discovers new writers and often keeps them alive. After 25 years of radio, and all the fuss there has been about it, only the feeblest glimmer of genuine new talent has ever been detected. The film studios and the popular press scream at us about widescreens and 3D and the rest of it, when all that is required are good stories, sensitive acting, some genuine communication to us. The machinery comes first. The human factor, the blessing of a talent, a long way after. It is typical of this new age that a man pays 12 shillings a week for a TV set and only sixpence for all that comes out of it. Meanwhile, the true old magic, which depends upon real communication between devoted men and women of shining talent and audiences willing to make an effort, is rapidly fading.
Soon the machinery will be perfect. But all entrancing experience gone and forgotten. Perhaps the world will be run by robots. But nobody will notice the difference. <laughs>